Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the gift and blessing of this opportunity to praise you together, Lord. Thank you that this worship of you today mirrors what is going on in your throne room at this very moment. Lord God, help us to raise our voices, our hearts, our minds, everything to you, Lord God. We pray that you would bless us with singleness of heart and mind as we seek to worship you today. Lord, speak to us. We pray that you yourself would reveal yourself to us, Lord. That you would help us to lay at the foot of your cross now, Lord, our cares and concerns, our anxieties, which we brought in with us. May we turn those over to you now so that we can hear what you are saying to us and be transformed through that interaction with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. Morning! It is great to see you all today. Well, our world is one of great joy and also great suffering. Case in point, crab feed. Last night. Great joy. Right? I think I ate my weight in crab last night. I mean, I just kept eating, cracking, eating, cracking, eating, cracking, eating. Right? My fingers were all like like sticky and gnarly and like joints pain and stuff. And all was good until like midnight or something. I woke up like sweaty, you know, like I couldn't really roll over because my tummy was just huge, right? I had this kind of pregnant moment feeling. Oh man, I just did not feel good. I just had gorged myself. I mean, it was, it was sad, right? It was all self-induced, right? But that unfortunately is how the world works, right? There's great joy, but also suffering there attached to it. And that's how often things in life are. And we don't have to look far to find suffering in our world, do we? Right? Every day, Christians are killed for their faith. That's one form of suffering we experience in the Middle East, in the Asia, and even recently in in the United States. There are cases of people dying for what they believe. And even if we're not brought to that point of martyrdom, that point of suffering, this life is filled with suffering, whether we're Christian or not, right? That's one of the promises of Jesus, one we remarkably don't see very often emblazoned on, like, promised things. But in this life, you will have suffering, Jesus says. Name it and claim it. Um, Enjoy it. But that is one of those things that just comes with being alive in this world is suffering, right? Now, in the U.S., we don't particularly like suffering, do we? I don't think they do anywhere. But the U.S., we especially don't like it, right? And so we do everything we can to avoid it. Or hide it. Or deny it. So we, you know, we medicate it, we separate from it, we cover it up, we avoid it, we keep it in secret. You know, we put people who are suffering in special places so that they're not right by us. Um, We, if we're suffering, we often like to kind of hide away so that people don't see our suffering. We don't want people to see us like this. Right, we say, is that helpful? No, not really. Not really, I mean, because everyone suffers. But that's how it is in our country. And so often suffering is connected with isolation and that feeling of loneliness, that we're alone in our suffering. Now, this suffering can happen for all kinds of reasons, right? It can happen because of past failures in life, ways we've fallen short that continue to haunt us, either just internally and mentally because of that guilt that's riding on us, or because of... Um, the consequences of what has taken place or what we did in the past. It can, suffering can come because of failing health, 
financial challenges, insecurity of income, failing relationships. I mean, it can come for all kinds of reasons. Eating too much crab, right? (laughs) Suffering can come to us almost anywhere we are. Life presents us with an almost never-ending litany of challenges. But there's hope. There is hope. And the place we find hope is in the book of Revelation, our passage from Revelation for today. John, the author, he's quite aged at this point, and he's been exiled to the island of Patmos in Greece, which if you're ever going to exile me, one of the Greek islands would not be bad, right? You know, I'll take any of those. I'm sure it was considerably more Spartan at the time. Probably were Spartans there, I think of it. Uh, So there on a Sunday, he is given a vision by the Lord. By the Holy Spirit, he is taken into the throne room of God in heaven, where he witnesses groups of people and creatures and angels worshiping God, the Father, and the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Our passage begins with a description of what John sees. He says, I looked and there was a great multitude that no one could count. How many is that? A lot. lot. That's right. Nobody can count. From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. These people, who are immediately identifiable as being from all over the place, sweet baby noises, I love that, from every nation, tribe, people, and language are standing before the throne of God and the Lamb. People from all over the world are there, unified in their praise of God, and they praise Him with their voices, yet remain distinct in appearance, and according to this passage, distinct in language, too. I don't know exactly how this worked, if they were all speaking a unified language when they praised God, but somehow they're able to praise Him together, and yet be unique and different people. Right, which speaks of the beauty of God, that he has strewn beauty about, and there's not only one group of people that will all look the same in heaven, right? We're all going to look like Charlton Heston and Raquel Welch in heaven or something. It's, that's not how it's going to be, right? We're going to look like us, which is beautiful and great. But thanks be to God, because those barriers which keep us separate from people who are not like us are torn down in heaven. There are no racial divides there. Everyone is worshiping God together in one voice. And that is good news. And notice what they're holding in their hands. What do they have? Palm branches. branches. So what does this mean? Well, there's palm trees in heaven, I guess. I don't know. Right, that's good news for Hawaiians. Right? But there's... Yeah, they got palm branches somewhere, right? And they're holding palms in their hands. And where is the last place we saw palms in the scriptures? Palm Sunday. And what were they doing with the palms on Palm Sunday? Praising God, right? And laying their cloaks and the branches on the ground and welcoming in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, son of David, to come into Jerusalem in victory. Here they are used to give praise to God with full knowledge of who he is. Rather than on Palm Sunday, where the people had partial knowledge of who Jesus was, which then quickly turned to betrayal. Here in the throne room of God, they know fully who he is, and they are fully known by him, and they give him praise with these palm branches in their hands. 
So this multicultural, uh, white-clothed group of people are crying out in a loud voice, and with one voice they say, Salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. They know it's true that salvation is from God, who is from the throne and from the Lamb Jesus Christ, because that's the reason they're there. Right? They wouldn't be there if it wasn't because of Jesus and God the Father and what they have done for him, for each person. They are there worshiping in the throne room of God because they know salvation is from God who is seated on the throne and from the Lamb. And as these Christians shout out their praise, it's picked up by the angels, the elders, and the four living creatures who fall on their faces before the throne, worshiping God and singing. They say, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. The worship of the ones clothed in white brings the whole place into worship. The praise of that one group brings all to a greater sense of praising God together. These praises of that unified group make all those in heaven give praise to God. At this point, one of the elders speaks to John, saying, Who are these robed in white, and where have they come from? Now, to me, this is like, um, reminds me of third grade, right? Where I'd be in class, kind of doodling on my paper, and the teacher would say, Seth, tell us... And at that point, my mind would go completely blank, right? Right? Like, who are these people clothed in white, Seth? <gasps> I don't know. I, I, right? But John knows how to answer this. John, and I wish I would have known this as a child. So children, listen to this, right? John says, sir, you are the one that knows. And I should have tried that with my teacher. <laughs> Because that would have, you know, probably would have bought me time, if nothing else. Right, ma'am, I am sure that you are the one who knows when Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Right? And the elder does not disappoint, because he does, in fact, know. He knows the answer. He says, they, these are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. This group of people are ones who have come through a time of challenge. And their white robes have been made that white color because they've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Now the second part is pretty clear, this, this how their clothes were made white. Right, because Jesus washed their garments in his blood and they've been made absolutely clean. There's a sacramental nature in this, right? Much like uh, baptism. As the outward invisible sign is that these robes are completely clean and white. That's the outward invisible sign of the washing. But the inward and spiritual grace is that Jesus has not only washed their outer garments. He's washed them on the inside. Their hearts. Their souls. He's made them clean. That's why they're there. And that's why they praise God. It's not just because they have clean clothes. They praise God. Because he has transformed them and redeemed them and brought them to himself. So that's the second part of that statement. The first part, though, what is this great ordeal that this elder speaks about? Many theologians think it has to do with tax day in the IRS. <laughs> right? Which is particularly poignant this time of year. No, I'm just joking. 
It's not that bad, is it? Well, it is that bad. But, right? But some say, actually, that this is a specific event that these people were faithful through, a great tribulation, some defined event that they held fast to God during, perhaps a time of intense persecution. That could be it. We don't really know. But it also could be just the great ordeal of life. It doesn't have to be a defined event that a group of people go through. It can be just the event defined by our birth and our death. Right? That event in between when we experience great challenge, difficulty, suffering, loss, grief, but also joy too. That could be the one he's talking about. And either way, these people are there because they have held fast to the Lord. They've held fast to the Lord. They've trusted in Jesus Christ more than in their circumstances. They've trusted in Jesus more than in the promises that this world tried to offer them. Promises of fame, of beauty, of fortune. And because they put their faith in the Lord, the elder tells us, for this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. In this one vision... John shows us a portion of the hope that is ours in Jesus Christ. Races and peoples reconciled to one another, praise and worship of the triune God, an end to suffering and pain, no more hunger, no more thirst. Even sunburn will be taken care of, right? No more of that. God as well will wipe away the tears from our eyes like a loving parent. And the expression of David in Psalm 23 will be fulfilled, as the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of the water of life. Now this is the promise of the future. This is what the future holds for us in Christ is that being brought into the presence of God. No more suffering, pain. And we use this passage at funerals quite often. right? It's one of the recommended readings for funerals for that very reason. Because it speaks about that hope that is ours. That no longer is that person suffering. No longer is that person in pain. But Jesus Christ is holding them and wiping the tears from their eyes. And that gives us great hope. But the hope from this passage is not only for the future, for those who die in Christ... The hope is for us today as well. Because we live in a world in which racial tensions seem to be growing rather than diminishing. In which suffering seems to be multiplying rather than being erased. And where disunity seems to carry the day. May we this week spend some time in prayer and consider what this passage might mean for us. What is John showing us through the Lord in this passage? What is God revealing to us? What is this hope that is to encourage us through this difficult life? And what does this passage challenge us in as well? 
Are we harboring racism in our hearts? Or do we look down on others who do not look like us, smell like us, act like us, vote like us? Are there divisions that we have allowed to grow between one another? Because what this shows us is there will be no divisions. And the hope that's ours in Christ is that today he can give us freedom from divisions. Are we laboring under suffering, feeling isolated and wounded? May we seek the Lord and allow him to care for us. May we allow him to step into our pain with us, because our Lord is acquainted with suffering and is a man of sorrows, according to the scriptures. May we allow him to come and minister to us in our pain. And by his grace, may he give us the strength to invite others to be with us in our suffering. To give us the strength to not isolate ourselves in our pain and difficulty. May he give us the grace to be able to confess for ways that we have created suffering and pain for other people. May he allow us that freedom which comes by being forgiven by God and by other people. And above and before all of this, may we turn to our Lord Jesus Christ and confess to him our sins and receive from him his forgiveness so that we may be washed clean by the blood of the Lamb and made ready to worship him in his throne room. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that this is not our work or our labor that brings us to your throne room, but it is purely your grace and mercy. Lord, there is not a ticket booth outside waiting for us to make the deposit. You have paid our fare. You have made the way clear and straight for us to come to your very throne room. Thank you, Lord God for taking us broken people and washing us clean by your blood. Lord, we confess to you our failures. We confess to you our judgment, our lack of trust of others who are different than us. Lord, we confess to you and repent of the divisions that we have allowed to spring up in our hearts and minds between us and our brethren. And we pray, Lord God, that you would forgive us for this that you would bring reconciliation and healing, that you would bring new relationship and life, that you would bring unity. Lord God, we're suffering. We isolate ourselves, Lord, and we turn away from help of others, Lord, and try to do it on our own, and we pray that you would free us from this. Help us to turn to you. Help us to receive your grace, your mercy, your love, and your hope. Lord, may your presence comfort us and lift us up. And we pray that you would bring others alongside us who can speak to us in our pain as well, who can sit with us as we suffer, and who will encourage us, Lord God, when we feel alone. Lord, thank you that you offer a hope which cannot be taken from us, and that hope is grounded in your bloodshed for us. Lord God, bring us to eternal life by the power of your love. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>